God is good. God is good. And it doesn't change the fact that we have so many terrible things going on in the world. Um, we still have scary moments this weekend. You know, we have Bob, Bob and Marley. Bob is out sick, and you know, my heart's been uh, going out in a lot of prayer towards this girl that's missing. And there's a lot, a lot of things out there we don't we don't know. I love that we are talking about God's plan and God's perfect plan and His perfect timing and everything. And praise God, we as Christians have hope. We have hope because it makes no sense. It makes no sense. I'm discussing different things in this world. We've been praying about Ukraine and the missing girl, and now you know there are other things have popped up, and I have no answers. I, I'm just like everybody else. I, I wonder why. Why? You know, God loves all of these people. God loves the whole world, but He allows evil to also have its place. And and um, there's no there's no answer that you and I can come up with except God is good. God is good, and I love that we continue to focus on that and praise God for that. I thank you for your your uh, patience and your kind words this evening about the weeks I've been up here. No, no matter what you think, it has been a lot of work, but I have enjoyed every minute of it. I, it has been extremely rewarding. I was talking with my sister earlier today who lives in Oklahoma, and she was asking. She thought, oh, I, you must have finished it weeks ago. How'd it go? And, oh, I'm still going tonight. What? She said, what? I said, but I said, uh, don't feel bad for me. It's been very rewarding for me. And if nothing else, I want, I want to share the rewards that I've had and, and encourage you and, and really share my heart that I want more freedom for all of us as Christians. I want us to experience that. I know there's several things in my life that I feel that I am free, been free of, and I, I enjoy that liberty so much that I, I can acknowledge it. And a lot of you are there and have a lot of those testimonies as well. But I look around and I see us as, as a whole. We're, uh, Bob Riley was praying earlier, Lord, grow our church. We're, we're, we, want to, we want to have a heart to grow our church and, and not for money, not for anything else. We want more people in the store. We have a community that needs a church. We have a community that needs you, Lord. And he said, teach us how to take in those people. Teach us how to, how to share that. And that's all I've wanted to do with you guys is, and, and this time to come up here is just share and hopefully express a lot of the freedoms that I feel like I have in my life pertaining to the things of this world that we struggle with. Uh, a long time ago, I, I felt like God uh, freed me. I don't, I don't feel like I live uh, within the, the bondage of my identity being tied to what I do for work or my living. I don't really even care to talk about it. I know I've been here for several years of this church, and I had attended multiple multiple years, and I don't think I even really talked about it. And someone came, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Where I never hear you talk about I don't. That's not important to me. It's not important to me. Yeah, we can sit around and talk about the crazy stories we have at work sometimes, but I've been set free from that identity crisis of what I do or the money that I have or the things I have. And, and going through this chapter, I, I hope I've relayed to you God's desire for all of us to be set free from this burden that we put on ourselves for being tied to 
the things of this world. And yes, I had no idea how long this is going to take. I'm pretty sure we're going to finish tonight. And I just want to spend tonight, the last couple of weeks, or last couple of nights I was up here were, were weighed heavy on me because I felt like I needed to share with you the fact that this is real and we need to be honest with ourselves that we do struggle with this and we do have it and it is in your life and it is in my life. And it was a little tough for me to stand up here thinking that uh, what, what authority other than just God's word sharing with you that it's okay for us to acknowledge what we struggle with and that we struggle with our money and our, and our, our false ownership. But tonight I want to step forward and we're going to wrap up. There's only three blanks left. We're going to wrap up and I want to change the tone more to the, to the, to the praise and the excitement that God has promises for us. Yes, we have sin in our lives. Yes, we have issues we have to deal with, but there's no reason for us to focus on that day in and day out because what we're supposed to be focusing on is God is good. God is good. He wants good things for you. He wants good things for me. He wants good things for the people out there committing evil acts. And I don't know what's going on, and I don't know why there's evil, but God wants good for them too, and He wants and He wants us to go out into the world and and see that through His eyes that hey, we're supposed to be bringing these people in, and and it breaks our hearts. Why did these things happen? You know, you we we all have different ties through Ukraine missionaries and and hear different stories, and I know you have some ties there, and and. Uh, you know, God is good. God is good, and tonight I want to I want to praise that, and, t- and let's talk more about God's promises that He has for us. Last week we we finished up talking about how to get ourselves right with God and acknowledging that through being willing to to admit it, and and, and by His grace we are saved, and by His grace we are set free, and we're. I really hope that you had some time to in all of your studies and your and your quiet time this week with God, you, you took a little extra time, and I finished on Psalms 50, 51 and, and, and took a little time to ask God to reveal that to you and to soften your hearts to accepting and understanding that we struggle with these things and it's okay, and, and to cry out to God a little bit more than we usually do. It's okay. We're self-aware of our sins. God's aware of our sins. We can cry out to God a little more. Ask God, hey, take this away from us. Help me. I can't do this on my own. Psalms 51, I read a few verses out of it, but Psalms 51 also in there, it says, The sacrifices of God, what God wants from us, the sacrifices of God are a broken, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. There's nothing about us getting on our knees and crying out to God and, and confronting ourselves with our sin that God is, would be displeased with. He wants us to do that. But when we do that, there are so many rewards. There's so many goodness. There's, there's so much out there for us. And that's the next section of our book here. Page 220, 227, God's re- God rewards our giving. If someone would please look up Philippians 4.19. We're going to read that in just a moment. But God rewards our giving. Reading in the, out of the book here, it says, Giving begins with God. Gi- giving begins with what God has already given to us. Because we have nothing outside of what God's given us. So it, it begins with what God has already given to us, but it doesn't end with our gifts. We just don't give back to God and pat ourselves on the back and, and say good job and, and feel good about ourselves as a group or individually. God promises us 
rewards. It ends with the incredible promises of God. The first blank tonight will be God will meet our needs. And I know Sunday night's already our night to give testimony. But God's promises are out. There's so many exciting promises of God in His Word for us calling out to Him and, and, go, and seeking Him. I was, I was thinking we, we need to remind ourselves of that more often. I know we've done this before, but I was hoping to get some feedback tonight. Remind me, help me, because I definitely didn't think of all of them. What are some promises of God? What are promises of God that you've seen in your life? Never, never, no matter how much. We are sealed. I, that's super exciting. We get down ourselves. We talked about guilt last week. The devil attacks us with guilt almost to the point that we feel like maybe God does leave, you know, can leave us, will leave us. He promises not to leave us. What other promises? He's patient. He's patient, man. We, we need all of that talking through this book. What promise did you have? Forever. So that we're talking about this today. We're going to close the chapter. We're going to flip the chapter. And uh, having, oh, it's the gospel, and the pastor's going to pick up on the next chapter. And we're going to turn the page, and that doesn't change. We may forget next week. We may move on. Nothing about that changes God's word. It's forever. We still are going to be held accountable. We still have to acknowledge uh, uh, these different aspects of the sin of our lives. God has so many promises for us and he has promises based around our giving so the first blank god will meet our needs jim you said you had philippians 4 would you please read philippians 4 19 but my god shall supply all your need according to his riches glory that's an awesome verse i i know a lot of us know uh, and understand a lot of the context out of chapter four and we're going to go through a little bit more of it here in a moment but just focusing on verse 19 there the book mentions here although some people teach that if you give to god you will become wealthy that is not promised in god's word that is a promise that does not exist in fact as we saw in the testimony last week we we're discussing the macedonian christians who gave out of their poverty it's scripturally inaccurate. There is no promises of wealth. We discuss and, and, and teach against that here at Grace Baptist. There is no prosperity gospel. Nothing about your giving here is going to increase your wealth, uh, improve your health. There's nothing about the promises of God uh, saying anything like that. In fact, we heard the story of the Macedonian Christians, uh, how extreme poverty they were in, and they were still joyful and cheerful and happy. Still happy to give and couldn't, couldn't, couldn't figure out other ways to give. Nowhere in that text does the Bible share with us that they became wealthy later. Nowhere in there did God bless them and take them out of the persecution of the city they were living in. Christians were being highly persecuted at that time in their specific area very heavily. Nowhere in God's word does it say he took, it, took them away. Nowhere does it say they lived long, healthy lives. So that is not promised, but he does promise to meet our needs. 419, Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in, in glory uh, in Christ Jesus. I found it interesting that Paul starts that off by saying, my God. He's talking to fellow believers. But he, I think there he's saying, my God, his God, he's already firmly rooted in the belief that 
Jesus Christ, his God, and he's trying to relay this to uh, in his message that if you believe in the same promises, same same uh, promises of Christ, that uh, you too can have this. He's trying to share this with him. But he says, and my God shall supply. And supply translates to fill to the full. Not just supply. If I ask you for a supply, I need some gas in my car. Uh, you'll supply me a couple gallons to get maybe to the gas station. It's different than supplying me an entire tank of gas. But God's promises says he will supply, fill us to the full. Fill us to the full, not just give us a little bit, not just keep us going. He has great plans for us, great riches for us. But according to his riches, he, he will give, give to us. He'll fill us to the full according to his riches. Now, I know if we took all of our riches and resources in this room, it'd probably be a pretty sizable chunk. And we could give that to somebody and it'd be a sizable Sizable donations, some some riches, I would say. But thank God, praise God, that we are going to be blessed, not from our collective riches here, but we're going to be got blessed by God's riches. His supply, His riches are immeasurable. There's so many things about God that I don't think we can even wrap our minds around, and that's one of them. We, we have to, we're limited in our thought process and our ability to understand, but if we can attempt in our, in our time here to understand that God wants to bless you through his riches, which are immeasurable, means there are blessings beyond our thinking capability. We have so, God wants to give us so much more. But the last part of that verse is just as important. He will do it in glory. In glory by by Christ Jesus. So make no mistake that everything that God gives you, He's going to hold you accountable because He expects it. It's all going to be for His glory. Everything He gives you is for His glory. Every all the additional blessings He gives you and providing for your needs is intended for His glory. We already know and understand for the. Uh, that our purpose, what is our purpose here? The, the world asks this over and over again, but what's our purpose here on this earth? Glorify God. God doesn't change. He doesn't waver. Everything He does is for the glory of Christ Jesus. God put Him at the right hand to glorify Him. He has everything. All your belongings, glorify God. I hope, I hope and pray on a regular basis that more and more that I do, will prove to be glory to God. And even though God will bless us and provide for our needs, and maybe some of us feel like we only get our needs met, we feel like we have nothing extra, make no mistake, it's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God, and we should praise God for that. He promises to meet our needs. Continuing on the book, Jesus also promised that our Heavenly Father who knows every need in our lives will take care of us. Because of, his, because of His care, we should not worry about our needs as we respond to His grace by investing in the kingdom. So everything about this... Well, let's go ahead and read Matthew 6, 25-33. Someone beat me to it and, and look that up. Matthew 6, 25-33. through 33. Ah, there it is. Thanks, Chris. That guy's on top of it. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. This is a long one here, so bear with me. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, 
nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles even seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We could probably all quote that, but I, I hope you guys can look back and think back tonight. This has been the theme of this chapter for me. Everything we get, everything that we have, all the heart changes, all the freedom we seek from the sin in our life comes from seeking the kingdom of God first. First. Now, we know this applies to everything else in our lives, but tonight we're discussing our financial stewardship and the money and, and the blessings that God promises us. We talked a little bit last week about giving, giving grudgingly or giving out of resentment. God's promises doesn't come from just going through the motions, just going through the acts. It's by seeking first the kingdom of God. And we've discussed many, many things where even the Macedonians giving, they first gave themselves to the Lord. So I hope this last week you've really started to consider that. And if nothing else, this has by far been my biggest takeaway of this chapter. As I can be set free from the things of this world and the care of this world and clothing and food. This is very basic here, discussing food and clothing. But we have, everyone here sitting in this room has so much more than that. We're not necessarily concerned just about will I have enough clothes tomorrow or a little bit of food tomorrow we've got ourselves wrapped up and how do I get more and will the stuff I have continue to grow and I say we spend way too much time thinking about that when first we should be seeking the kingdom of God the next blank here God will bless our gifts so not only does God promise that he will meet our needs and he wants us to respond to his grace of giving and meeting our needs, but he wants us to respond by giving and investing in the kingdom by not worrying about the things of this world. But then God, in addition, promises he will bless our gifts. Although God does not promise the blessings of health and wealth to every Christian who gives, he does promise to bless us in proportion to our giving. In proportion to our giving, He will bless us. Now there is a, there is a something to take away from that. Our proportion of our giving has to do with a lot, as we discussed, based on what He blesses you with. And we get too fixated on the amount, calculating the amount. How much should I give? Did you, do I give it off? my net or my gross, and we get fixated. And I, I, know, I understand, that I believe the only reason we get fixated on that is because we're still tied up on trying to keep as much as we can. 
We get tied up on these numbers. But God knows what is a sacrificial gift from you, and He already knows. He doesn't need a certain He doesn't have a certain dollar amount that He's looking to get from you. He wants to know and and will bless us based on our gifts and according to the proportion of our giving. And that portion is decided, and usually I know in my life comes from the heart instead of the actual number. Matthew, or I'm sorry, we did Luke chapter 6, verse 38 is our next verse here. Perfect, thank you. I was going to read that, but my mouth's drying out here. Thank you. There it is. There's a promise that God will bless our gifts. That's actually that's really exciting, and I I I read that and and get excited. I think we all should be get get excited about this. I, the language here for the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You meet is what you measure out. And as I mentioned a, a second ago, is I think we focus too much on what we measure out. We focus on just giving the measure it out for our, according to our purposes. We're we're really usually just trying to measure out the bare minimum. But that should be exciting. Uh, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. A lot of us are farmers here, uh, and a lot of the people Jesus was talking to at the time understood farming and grains and, and how you go about getting, getting an exact weight of your grain. You press it down, you shake it together, you get as much as you can, and then God promises... Running over, it'll be even more. It'll be even more than what it can hold. Well, I don't know why, but a lot of times when I read this verse, I think of baking. Some of you are bakers. You know, and I've seen over and over again, mom making cookies a lot of times. You know, that got to get that brown sugar packed in, shaken, packed in. Got to get the right amount. That's We're going for the right amount. But God says, not only am I going to make sure I give you all of this, but then it's going to be running over. It's going to be pouring over the edges. God wants to bless us. God wants us to bless us, and the uh, the fact and our inability to seek him, seek him first does hinder those blessings. God wants to bless our gifts, and He wants to do it in even a in a more in a larger measure than what we even give to Him. So maybe that excites you and say, "Well, okay, I'll stop measuring it. I'll start stop counting out the pennies and give them just the bare minimum. I'm going to give to God, and He's going. I'm going to give more and get even more." And that can be exciting at first from a worldly perspective. Thinking, man, I'm going to give this many dollars. I'm going to get this many dollars and some more back. But nothing about this talks about dollars. Our worldly minds are so limited to thinking that, oh, since I gave money, I'm going to get money back. I'm going to get just excess back because I because I go to church and I give regularly. I'm going to get good health back. And you we put these expectations on God and these limits on God's kingdom as if that's the only blessings he can give us. You know, we sit around and talk about what we uh, our prayer requests for our families, that our family comes to know Christ, that our family is saved, and that we know that our family would be healthy and well. What about those blessings? What about those blessings of seeing the world outside here in Friendly Nevada walking in the doors? 
we were praying for that earlier, but what are we going to give? Are we going to accept that as our blessing? Or do we just want dollar for dollar back? That's a blessing. Seeing God's kingdom grow here in Fernley is a blessing. These are the measures in which we want to see and our hearts should want to see being poured over through our giving. I really did. I thought, I've said this before, I thought this chapter was all about money and it ended up being nothing about money. Yes, we give money, but God wants more than just to bless you with money. He wants to bless you with growth with Him and He wants to bless this community with growing His kingdom and He wants to bless the world by us being able to support other eternal missions out there. You have to be careful. Remember that all things God teaches us is a matter of the heart, a matter of us seeking Him first. God measures the heart, not the dollar, not the check amount that we have or we gave, gave today. And then in our hearts we know if there's resentment with the giving or we give grudgingly or we're just counting the amount so we can get some more back. How often, and I don't know, some, a lot of you have been around longer than I have, so you've probably given more times than I have, but I don't want to think about how many times maybe I gave a gift out of a selfish desire almost as if turning it into an investment. Oh, yeah, well, I'll give, so God gives back. I'm really in need, so God will give back to me. Limiting God to just giving me some money. We need to, I don't know if you guys do this, but for a long time now, I pray over my gifts that I, I, I give. I pray when I write that check. I don't pray about what, Lord, you know, should I give or should I not give? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the discernment prior to giving the gift. I'm talking about giving your faithful, regular gifts. Do you pray over them? Or are you just, ah, painful, quick and easy? No, I spend time in prayer. I spend time in prayer asking God, mostly for me. God, check my heart. Cleanse my heart. May this gift I'm giving come from a pure heart. Please, Lord, accept this gift as a pure and clean gift from me that I may not expect anything but your blessings, both for in my life, whether it's something I can think of or not. Guard your heart in prayer in this matter. That's exactly the reason why I do it. As If I ever get into the habit of just giving and just writing that check and not putting any more thought to it, how dare I forget the blessings that God's promising me? How have I lost my focus that my giving has something to do with my heart and that what God wants to give back to us? Give back to you. Pray over your gifts. We always want them. You know, as Psalms 51 is discussing again, God doesn't want our sacrifice of giving our time. He doesn't want our money. He doesn't want any of these items unless it comes from that broken and contrite heart. It means nothing to Him if it's not coming from that, from that place in our heart that we want to honor and, and praise and bless Him and worship Him. Then God promises He's going to bless it. He's going to give you great things beyond what you can think of. He's going to take care of your needs. You may write a check for $10,000 one day, but what is the size of the check your heart's writing when you write that check? Moving on in the book here, Luke 6:38. We just went 
Went through that one here. I'm going to finish reading below it. God has given to us, and he instructs us to give to his work and to those in need. And as we give, he gives again to us. One Christian described this process this way. God shovels in, I shovel out, but God has a bigger shovel. These blessings are not always monetary, but they are real, and they make a difference in our lives. All right, it's finally happened. I'm excited. We made it to the last word here. Last blank. Oh, and you guys thinking I'm still going to be done at 7.15. I got so much more after this. God will multiply fruit to our account. Fruit to our account. What does that mean? That was a question I asked. What does that mean to you guys? What's fruit to your account? What does that mean to you? What is, when God says he will multiply fruit to our account, the greatest reason to give to God's work is that it is an opportunity to invest in, in eternity. Now, I can't re- I cannot really find anywhere where it says exactly what it's going to be like in heaven, but we, there's songs that have been around, and this book's going to talk about it in just a minute. But it, you know, the, the possibility, the likeness that we're going to be in heaven one day, and you, we can't even, aren't, aren't even going to be able to wrap our minds around the the rings of, of people in this world that we affected by our little small gifts that we thought were nothing. Or even the gifts that we thought were something, God still used them, and they still changed people's lives for the good of eternity. And maybe we will see those people one day. Maybe those people will be able to acknowledge us one day. I don't know if it, that's biblical, of how we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna see all that, we're going to see all that, but I do believe that God, uh, the way... I do believe God is that's going to be part of our reward to be able to see that. And how it exactly happens, I'm not sure. But I do believe that God, that's part of our reward to be able to see that. God's going to reveal these things to us. And that kind of excites me. It kind of excites me to want to give more because now it's, it's like a surprise. If I put a little bit in the box, what am I going to get out? You know, what am I going to find out one day? Whoa, look at all these people. You're here because I gave a little tiny bit? God is amazing. How did he take my little tiny bit and make it so big? There's a reward for us in that. Loaves and fishes. Loaves and fishes. He's done it more than once, and we, we have the stories, stories to show it. Jesus will take a little and make a lot out of it. He will multiply our fruit. As Paul thanked the Macedonian Christians in Philippi, he told them that the work he was able to do in leading others to the Lord through their gifts became spiritual fruit to their account. Does someone have Philippians 4, 15 through 18 up? Or can you put that perfect? I'll go ahead and read it. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desired a gift, but I desired that may... I desired fruit that may abound to your account. So Paul's saying, I, don't, I wasn't asking for a gift. I wasn't looking for a gift. But I do look forward to your gifts because I'd like to see that fruit abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, and an odor of sweet smell and a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Paul is just wishing that. The same thing I feel I've been trying to share up here with you that he's wishing that if you would only partake in the giving, if you would only partake in the joy of worshiping God through your giving, there's going to be fruit 
and reward added to your account. He wants this for, for those who are willing to give. And he's trying to relay that to you, that, hey, I don't necessarily need your blessings. I don't need yourself to continue what I'm doing, but there will be fruit and a reward for that. It will be a sacrifice, acceptable, pleasing to God. Well, that's my number one goal right there in all my heart. Lord, please, let my actions, let my giving. I pray, uh, I told you, I pray over my gifts. Lord, please, let this be pleasing to God. I feel, I really feel like I'm wasting my my funds, given funds, if it's not going to be a pleasing sacrifice acceptable to God. I think I've said it a few different ways over the last few weeks. God doesn't need that, but what He does want, He doesn't need your money to promote His kingdom, but He does want a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to Him. And then He will multiply our fruit to your account, to your account, and then to our account. I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I, I hope it excites you as much as it does me. When, do you, when you give to the local church, you are not so much giving to the church as you're giving through the church. Again, I mentioned this once before. Stop looking at our giving as, oh, you gave it to the church. I want to see some reward back from the church. Oh, I gave to the church. You know, this is the church has some sort of sense of owing me. You know, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna give someone there offended me. The church is nothing but the body of Christ in which the the medium which God is going to use your gifts. He's going to reward you and bless you and take care of your needs. And he's and he's going to fulfill all his promises in your life. But he's using the body, the church, as the median for your gifts to go out into the world. And we should look at every single gift as just that. Not there should be nothing. Yes, you have to write Grace Baptist on the church, but you're really you're writing Lord Jesus on the church because He's going to take it and He's going to make it into something. And as a church, we do hold meetings. We are held accountable. We discuss being held accountable individually. We, as a church, will be held accountable. And we discuss that here frequently. And that's important to us. And I, I hope it's important to you. As your gift is used to reach people of the gospel through the ministries and the missions of your church, the souls that are saved, there it is, the souls that are saved are fruit to your eternal account. What an opportunity. I told you it excites me. I, I can't wait to see it. And, and I don't think, it, I don't think it's, it's selfish for me to think that, but I'm excited to get to heaven and see all what God grew it into. It's kind of like planting a seed. And I know you love growing things, and lots of us do, and I've even grown little gardens for my kids to enjoy the, the process, but you plant that little seed, and everyone's wild, and then you finally get fruit off it, and you love eating it. It just feels so rewarding to eat the fruit that, that you waited for, that you planted, that you put into. And it is going to be mind-blowing, I believe, when we see the reward in heaven and the etern eternal effect that our gifts have made on this world. I figured I have enough, what is it, hay, wood, stubble that's going to get burned up. It's going to be worth nothing. I've done enough actions. I might as well spend my time giving more to eternity. I want to see more produced for, for the kingdom of God. Last, last chapter here, last, or last page. There's no more blanks. We got all your blanks. Everybody fill the blanks in. Anyone fill the blanks in? We got it. 
I mentioned before how I've read so much more of this book since having to stand up here. I hope you guys have read a little bit more. But this last section I'm going to read to you. I've got just a couple minutes. The application takeaway of this chapter. We've seen that God is the giver of every resource, that he instructs us to give, and that he rewards our gifts. These truths are significantly different from the worldly philosophies of gaining all that you can or spending what you have simply to bring yourself pleasure. We know that to be true, that the world believes me, me, me. We need more for me. It's all for me. It's for my pleasure. It's for my gain. And then we come here and we give our lives to the Lord and we say, we're going to be different. We're different. We're renewed. What better, I'm not going to say easier, but what a huge way to be different than this world and how to be different than by the way we give. I've had the uh, unfortunate time of being told when someone saw saw the amount of money that gets donated out of my personal finances i had somebody of this world it was in a finance uh discussion and they called me stupid i said that's stupid the world doesn't get it and that's okay i knew right where it was coming from they didn't insult me i knew what i'm giving for but someone standing on the outside said, wow, that is the worst financial decision you could possibly be making for yourself. I'm not doing it for my finances. I'm not giving it so that God can make my finances bigger. And if that's how I'm going to be different from the world, then that was I took away from that a little joy. It was awesome to know that I am different than the world all through my finances. All through my finances, I wasn't standing on the street evangelizing. I wasn't out reading God's word somewhere in public. They simply saw my finances and said, that is extreme. And Praise God. That excites me today. That's an old story, but that excites me still today. That excites me. I circled the very bottom of the page of that application page. I opened up several weeks ago with saying that I don't normally share the blessings that God has done in my life. I don't speak up uh, that frequently on Sunday nights. And that after having this opportunity you've ha- to hear many of them, I, I believe that's going to change. It says right at the bottom, share God's goodness with others. As you experience God's blessings in response to your giving, tell others of God's faithfulness in your life. That has been a huge takeaway. I love being here at Grace Baptist. I love hearing your guys' testimonies. I love hearing how God has blessed you. It encourages me. It helps me grow. And I know the ring of people around us that have been encouraged and grow by your stories and your testimonies is larger than you can imagine. And this chapter thought it important enough to even mention that, that we should continue to share God's blessings. And I'm going to do better at sharing God's blessings because God has blessed me. And he blesses me so often that I feel like I, I can't even remember them all to tell you on Sunday. We need to encourage each other. We need to remind each other that there are promises of God that by our faithful giving here at church, God is good. God is good. I don't know if any of you moved ahead and uh, finished off the chapter in your studies or had the chance to, but they they have the daily devotions at the end. And I'm going to finish up with this one story. I'm just going to summarize it for you. But the first first day one take... uh, Daily Devotion was a story about Eddie Rickenbacker. Anybody read that yet? Anyone read that story? Eddie Rickenbacker 
was a was a daredevil guy. Grew up in the early 1900s. He was a World War One ace. He was a World War One ace. If you read his story, he he was kind of a crazy, and just put him in a spot where he he was successful. Took a lot of took a lot of risk, but he must love danger because he was into race cars. Uh, he was in the first Indy 500. He built cars. He uh, loved flying. He became a, a it was more than a quadruple ace, I think it says here. He had 26 kills in World War I. Crashed many planes, survived it. I sure hope he gave his life to the Lord because God gave him a lot of chances to say yes. This man had a lot of close calls with death. He was even loved it so much he was involved in making Eastern Airlines. He was he wanted to, he got involved in uh, developing. He was a pioneer of commercial airlines, commercial air travel. And I don't know, a lot of you definitely. What Eastern Airlines was, just, I think, just called Eastern. They 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 went out of business back in the 90s, but they were around. He was pioneered it from I forget in the in the late 40s, clear to the 90s. I mean, he, this guy tried everything, did everything. But in the story in the book doesn't share all that, but it does share that in World War II he was still so popular with the public and such a daredevil ace that they were using him to go around and promote bonds and and support the troops and encourage them. And the story tells you that one time flying over the Atlantic Ocean, I'm sorry, the Pacific, flying over the Pacific Ocean, 1942, the plane he was riding in ran out of fuel. They had to ditch the plane in the sea. And they spent, amazingly, I think there were seven of them, all seven of them, they spent more than three weeks floating at sea. I don't know how they lived that long. Again, this guy had scrape after scrape with death. But he survives. He survives. All of them survive. And they used every resource, every piece of the plane. And, he, and you can read more of his story online if you look it up. But, uh, and they were down to nothing, scrapping, trying to survive. And the statement, the quote that the book shares with us, he says, Let the moment come when nothing is left but life, and you will find that you don't, do not hesitate over the fate of material possessions. I thought that's pretty cool. That's a great thing. But... How sad is it that you and me and so many people of the world, our possessions, we don't get a true identity of our possessions, our things of the world, till we have a scrape with death. It's sad to lose everything. It is. There's a lot of things. But, you know, I've read story after story where if it's a tornado or if it's something, as long as everybody survived, that's all that matters. You know, why do we have to wait, have a scrape with death to realize that our stuff on this earth is nothing? Why do we expend so much time managing, trying to acquire, and trying to hold on to these worldly things when God tells us, one, we can't take it with us, and two, if the Lord returns before we pass, it's all going to get consumed. It's going to burn up. So... Thank you so much for, for hearing and, and, and going through what God has, has put on my heart and taught me. This is, again, I, I can't say it enough. It's been so rewarding. I, I wish all of you could, could study it in such a way to have, to, to have the blessings of the freedom of the things of this world. My, I guess if I had to conclude it all, it would be to trust Trust and give our lives to God, including all the things that he's given us. And let's start worshiping him more as a church and individually by through our giving. Any questions? Any, any other thoughts from this?